0: This episode of The Flush Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Waltons, Nutrasource Pet Foods, Aluma Trailers, Grain Belt Premium Beer, North Dakota Tourism, and by Federal Ammunition. The boys are fist pumping there. Was it the Grain Belt? Yeah. yeah. Love, love
1: Grain Belt. One of my
0: favorites. All right. My guests today are Jared Wicklin and Tom Carpenter from Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. We're going to do an our annual in-depth breakdown of America's 2023 Pheasant Hunting Forecast share plenty of reasons of optimism and give you a few tips to put a few more roosters in your game bag. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May
2: the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shots stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stalk. May your call to the wild be answered, and at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the 8-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to
1: you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24-pack cans. For more information, visit our website
0: at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Alright, welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. I am Travis Frank, I am your host, sitting in our office with Jared Wicklin and Tom Carpenter, no strangers to our podcast, but it's rare that I get to sit in a space with both of you during hunting season. The chances of this happening, it's like...
1: We're typically waving at each other on the inter- <laughs> on the interstate, going opposite direction.
0: Yeah, Carp, you just returned from North Dakota. Jared, you were hunting elk up in a mountain somewhere. How
1: I was. Uh, it was it was awesome. I ended up. Uh, long story short, I shot a really mature cow elk uh, spotter in the woods, snuck up to 16 yards, and uh, that was that was a story. It was it was great. We spent the rest of the time trying to get a bull for. Uh, one of my other colleagues and, and coworkers, Logan Hinters, in our graphic design department. And uh, we just couldn't quite seal the deal. But uh, yeah, going out west, it's just a, it's a different it's a different feeling. You know, you don't I don't get to spend as much time out there as I would like. But uh, the elk, the mountain grouse, I've got plans to go back with. Yes, the Yes, I
0: saw some of your videos. Yeah,
1: it was <laughs> uh, it was it was pretty epic. So uh, cool trip. And it uh, took up a beginning of bird season for me but now uh it's it's all birds all the time now so that's that's what i'm planning
0: i mean a big game hunt like that for elk is on very high up on my bucket list i still have not done it Mm -hmm. um you've done it before this uh yeah i've
1: hunted uh montana and i've hunted colorado as well
0: okay um
1: with uh all with all with bow And it's challenging, you know, I mean, trying to you can you can beat their eyes and their their hearing's pretty good. It's okay, But uh, the nose is the biggest thing when the winds when the wind shifts. um, Yeah. And
0: you've got you're not talking about just straight wind direction affecting what they smell. You're talking about up and down. Yep.
1: Thermals and it swirls out there. And um, we had a lot of different instances every day where, you know, you can hear the elk take off. You're getting close to them. Wind swirls and they're gone. So it's pretty, pretty amazing animal, pretty amazing country. And, uh, yeah, I was thankful to have Logan with, uh, he was a former elk guide and just very good at putting us where we needed to be. Um, and, uh, packing out as well.
0: Well, you need to have that, the the mule out there. Yeah. Uh, Can you give us an elk calling mimic?
1: Oh, man. You want the bull scream or do yeah, you want no? Give us the bull. No. I, <laughs> I, I thought I kept practicing on the way out because I thought you know you're gonna have to do the mew. Mew. There you go, cow, cow elk, cow. just to get them to stop. But it was. uh. Yeah, I'll save my I'll save my bull scream for when we're outside so I don't disrupt the entire uh, <laughs> department here round oh,
2: share productions. Carpon,
0: It'll scare you... all the
2: listeners away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and the start of your season has been phenomenal as well, right?
2: Yeah, I've just uh, I have not hit the woods yet. It's uh, the the prairie grouse hunting has just been too good and that's sort of what Lark and I live for and uh, we've been just going back to North Dakota. And hunting sharptails, I fashion them as God's birds. I love them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're wonderful to hunt there. You know, I was taught, I love pheasant hunting. We all know that yep. people, but um, when you, pheasant hunting is hard work and I love it and I do it. And it's probably what I live for the most, But as far as hunting goes. But when it's sharptail season, I just can't stay away from it. It's yeah. easy in the sense that, you're not fighting cattails and brush and willows. It's knee-high grass, and it's, it's sunny, and it's on the warm side, and you can see your dog work.
0: You get to watch it all. Yeah, that you is... see it all.
2: Yep. I mean, we, we had, I had one sequence uh, this last trip to North Dakota, 150 yards and eight points. I mean, they're just walking ahead of that, of that dog, and she just repositions, 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 and finally you get them up against a some terrain or something. And, and they and the dog locks up and it's it's just sort of magical. So that's that's been my season. It's uh we we're all talking this morning. It woke up to wind northwest wind coming in. We had a full moon last week. That means woodcock are in. So oh, I'll gosh. be in I'll be in the woods for a, a little
1: bit here.
0: Um, I'm gonna use 50 days of PTO in the next 50 <laughs> days. <laughs> I, can't stand I mean this.
1: finally cooling down. So for folks that are listening, I we're coming to you here from the Twin Cities, right and. It is just, it has just been brutally warm outside. I mean, it was, I was up in Northwest Wisconsin. I only hunted two hours the other morning for grouse. Great hunt, lots of birds, but it was humid outside. And by the afternoon, I mean, they canceled the Twin Twin Cities marathon because right. it was so so warm outside. And for yeah. a bird dog too, when it's eighty five. we were gonna run that, I heard. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were they were thinking I he might was, win it this year. So <laughs> <laughs> next year you got
0: it next year. He
1: climbed it in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: Do you feel like a new man when you come off the
1: mountain? Um, you do like I probably put it all back on now, but I lost like 11 pounds just. How many in,
0: oatmeal cream pies do you carry up there with you? Quite a few. Do you? <laughs> yeah,
1: quite a few zebra cakes. Zebra cakes. Uh, we had Logan brought <laughs> Logan brought these tuna creations with that you can buy for 99 cents at the store, like hot buffalo and and uh, thai, thai, thai uh Thai seasoning. There's all sorts of different flavors, but we were just living living on those and uh, flour tortillas.
0: <laughs> for six days. okay in North Dakota. Have you ever bought Kuchen,
1: i know what
2: kuchen is i've never bought it there my mother used to make it she was bohemian so oh, do do tell yeah. what
0: it what, okay, what is so it it is like it's like an apple pie pastry yeah it's like a it's sort of like a custard it comes in a variety of different flavors It's like a pie or a cake but we have it in the morning yeah. before a hunt and you have it with coffee and it is really there's i've not served it to anyone who hasn't just about fallen over and just fallen in like the problem is, so they make it up in North Dakota. Yeah, I've never found it anywhere else. I know you can find the recipes online, but yeah. um, that's like Grandma Lois is yeah. the, on the package. I, Lois Vanderwall, I think.
1: I don't, I don't recognize that, so I'm glad you let me know because I'll have to try that the next time I'm driving through. If you through. can find it, that's the thing. Here's, here's mine. If you, drive, if you drive south into South Dakota, tiger meat. What? Tiger meat. It's... it's,
2: it's raw, it's, uh, uh, hamburger, raw hamburger. Yeah. Raw hamburger Se- with a bunch of
1: spices really, and seasoning like, in it.
2: What do you, I'm not fancy enough to know what the, um, uh, the chef's name for it is. <laughs> I know
1: what it is tiger meat. It's tight. Ty- I don't, but, yeah, that. It says it on the package the yeah. last time it's we were really, there. Yeah, tig- Tiger this Meat. This is but. where we
0: need our producer, Brandon Martin. Well, here, he's usually searching he, all this stuff. Oh, okay, let's, gotcha. Let's
2: do a, we'll do a whole Foods of Bird Country show.
0: Yes. I took a picture on the tailgate the other day when we were on North Dakota, and it was 70, uh, 85% unhealthy. And then just a little bit of, but I've been trying. I brought fruits and veggies along too. I'm trying to be better about this because I want to be a lean, mean hunting machine. I, I just got to say,
1: you look great. oh jared there you go (laughs) there you go oh he's in shape ready to go for the (laughs) birds for the bird back
0: to the kookin if you can find it so i i went i found like in this grocery store in velva north dakota and i had like there was like 10 packages and i came to the register with eight of them and the lady's like, I'm sorry, I can't let you have all of those. Like, oh, my goodness. Because I wanted some for hunting camp. I wanted some to bring home. I wanted to give some for friends. It's, it's like
1: that good. It's like ammo in some
0: of the stores, right? You can only... You, you I've never grow. hoarded anything in my life except for Grandma Lois's cool
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's two boxes uh, at a time. Hunting gives us
2: a good reason to say, well, I'm working hard. I'm going to eat more. I yeah. P- I, I walked... I think forty-eight and fifty-three miles total. How about Lark? My hunts. What She's is Lark doing? Double. She'd do double that. I don't have anything on her, but uh, as far as tracking her, but, you know. But the general, the general rule is two, two to two point five to one. Yep. Um, but my my message was, you sort of think, wow, well, I walked ten miles today. I can, I'll, I can have I can this eat pie tonight. I, 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 can, <laughs> I came back heavier from both on. So, you know, like yes. a pound or two. I'm like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to have dropped three pounds. Like, oh crap, I'm up too.
0: I know. I always feel, I'm like, honey, I walked 37 miles this week. How much yeah. did you do? And then she looks in the vehicle and sees all the junk. She's <laughs> like, you're, you're you're not doing it right. <laughs> this is not, you can't brag about all this exercise you're putting in. If you're going to be eating that garbage. Um, I I jumped into the woods a couple days ago because as we're about to discuss here, the reports, the optimism, if you can't hear in our voices, we're all giddy. Everybody that I've talked to that bird hunts right now is giddy. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes from Hungarian partridge to sharptails to the pheasants that we're going to get into. Rough grouse. Holy cow. That's, you know, it's something that I'm Deeply loved. Jared, I know you have a, a sweet spot too.
1: I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, the three of us live in the epicenter of rough grouse.
0: And that's what I grew up on before. I Same. didn't
1: I did even know what a pheasant was when Same. I was a kid. You yeah. know, grew up in Duluth and Superior that National first Forest. First
0: explosion, following my dad into the deer stand in yeah. the park, And a rough grouse blew up in the bush right under my feet. And I was like, you know, I mean, it stops your heart for a second. <laughs> and that yep. was my first experience with an upland bird. And my first... Bird hunts were all rough grouse hunts. Yep, and And I still love the the forest walks.
1: And the first first one of the year, especially whether you're hunting grouse or pheasants or whatever, it's it's the same thing where you don't you don't sleep a wink the night before. Yep. Um, where I was up at my in-laws and you know went out in the morning and I normally get out too early, like the birds haven't even really. But who cares? You got to go. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to go, and uh, there's all sorts of uh, abandoned cabins and little stuff where i go that i like to take pictures of you know so it's just the whole experience of the thing and and getting out on that first hunt and it's going to be that same way for pheasant season coming up like you said we've got some we've got some good reports coming in and uh yeah i think giddy giddy is a good way to describe it i mean we're ready to go we went about i don't know
0: 150 yards Daisy and i and i don't like to walk on the trails i actually like to just let her go and get into some really Tom calls them hell holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to just get lost in the woods. And yep. fortunately, I don't get lost because obviously we have X, But I like to just get far away from where people are because, I don't know, I just feel like I'm really on an adventure. And I was by myself, which I rarely get to do. So um, nice. just Daisy and I out there on a walk. And she goes on point. I'm like, all right, here we go. I Game time! It. I hit the damn thing. One <laughs> First, up, one down. One Rough for gross. one. A little while later, she goes on point. I walk up and she's staring down, and I'm like, "This is a woodcock. It's got to be," because I can see everything around. One up, one down. Let's go. Two for two. I almost <laughs> left the woods right there because I'm like, I can't do any better than yeah. This. Just throwing so the was, towel. I was batting a thousand, and then I was quickly batting five hundred and then i got it back up to the 750. Yes. And then i went back down a little bit. So, yeah. but what a hunt, my goodness. I mean this awesome. like i i just am so excited. I know we are talking pheasants today, but man, it's it's just been great reports all over the place. Carp, your position at Pheasant's Forever and Quail Forever, what's your title? Editor. 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 Jared, your title? Uh,
1: Communications Director.
0: Gotcha. And you both have been there combined how many years a piece?
1: Uh, I'm going on. I'll be going on fourteen. I'm on, going on seven, six
2: or seven. Can't gotcha. In the
0: growth of the organization, both on the PF and the QF side, just continues to see the trajectory that we all love, right? I mean, you guys are constantly looking to add more bodies, more, more outdoor lovers into your staff. I get asked all the time about what are some opportunities that might be available in the outdoor space, and I always direct people. To pheasants forever usually i send them to bob and yeah
1: then, yep that's you know, a good place to go
0: yeah and i feel like you know there, there's space for more and you guys are continuing to hire right
1: it it's interesting at pheasants forever is that we we hire people from a lot of different backgrounds and i think uh being a being a people person number one i think is like sort of a good good way to get your foot in the go, in the door because you have to interact with chapters and members and landowners it doesn't matter if you're a communications director, uh, like myself an editor like carp, maybe a, a, a farm bill biologist or a range and wildlife conservationist. You have to be able to work with people, um, because that's, that, that's how we put habitat on the ground. That's how we form partnerships. Right. So, um, we've got over pheasants forever has grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the last, uh, in the last decade, but really more so probably in the last like five to six years. I mean, we went, we went from, um, just very, well, still grassroots organization. That's never gonna leave, that's, that's what we hang our hat on. But you go from just a, a couple people and a couple field staff to we get our Farm Bill Biologist program going in 2004. We start stepping that up and we're helping deliver conservation for partners like Natural Resources Conservation Service um, and um, United States Department of Agriculture, right? And all these other uh, state, state and federal partners that we have. And all of a sudden, Fast forward to 2023, we're up over 500 staff right now. And the majority of those- Largest
0: are, conservation organization in the country, right?
1: Yeah, and when you talk about um, talk about just biologists in general, I think we maybe mentioned this before, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, uh, other than the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, who I think at, if we keep growing the way we are, we'll probably be number one. But other than the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, we've got the most biologists of any organization uh, in the country, which, I think it's pretty cool. It speaks yeah. to what we do and that that private private land side of it. The public land side is is great too and we do a lot of work there. Um obviously, but the the private land side also produces a ton of birds and that's that's where that's where conservation is done. So mm-hmm. um it's a it's a great one to punch. What do you think, Carp?
2: Yep, you nailed it. I mean, uh, I was going to bring up what you said uh, except for US Fish and Wildlife, we have the most biologists of any organization. And it also speaks to what Pheasants Forever does. I mean, most of the jobs at Pheasants Forever aren't directing communications or editing the magazine or working on the website. They're in the field doing habitat work. That's why we're the habitat organization. And um, I, I guess the only thing I'd add is Jared. Jared's description touched at the end on public lands and access. And that's humongous for us and our members as well. We're not all about acquiring land and turning it over to U.S. Fish and Wildlife or state agencies, but that's part of the deal. And so is public access. You talk about private lands with some of the places we're talking about like where I'm hunting, been hunting sharptails in North Dakota. They're walk-in access. Plots? They're plots, but they're private land. Mm -hmm. You don't have plots, you don't have walk-in in Minnesota, or IHAP in Iowa, or walk-in in in Illinois, or or Weha in Kansas, none of that happens without habitat on private land. And that's millions of acres of access for hunters.
0: on that note, so OnX has partnered with you guys on a new initiative in South Dakota. Yep. And we actually, I I meant to say this right off the top, and and, uh, it's important because next week, so this is Wednesday, October 4th. So a, w- a week from tomorrow, next Thursday, October 12th, we're going to be in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to be partying with Pheasants Forever and Onyx and producing a live Flush podcast at the Remedy Brewing Company. <clears throat> yep. And so Ben Brett again, he's put this together. Free beer. <laughs> Free beer. Did I say that? Free beer. Free beer yeah.
2: is it, it part of the Is deal? it green
0: belt? Yeah. I bet <laughs> I it's I, I bet
2: know. it's from some of those great microbreweries they haven't seen. Yeah. Falls.
0: So yeah, it's it's from five thirty to eight thirty PM live flush podcast. We're gonna be celebrating the start of pheasant hunting season in South Dakota and this big new initiative that you guys are enrolling with Onyx to add more public access publicly accessible acres into uh, the bird hunters. Um, arsenal arsenal there we go so live podcast thursday october 12th sioux falls south dakota remedy brewing company 5 30 to 8 30 p.m free beer and a lot of giveaways (laughs) and ben was texting me the giveaways they're Uh, pretty good yeah he doesn't mess around (laughs) yeah they're good (laughs) people are leaving with like dog kennels and you know like really good really good items so um he put out like a, a feeler to find out how many people, if, if we did this, would you be interested in coming? And that's just to like the people in that general area. And he had 500 yeses.
1: Oh, that's so, awesome.
0: Yeah. We'll see how many people come. I, I don't know how big this space is. I've never been to remedy brewing before, but I'm really excited about it. Obviously when we do live shows, people can be a part of the show. So come on out. I've already gotten emails from people that heard about it. They're coming. Uh, bring your friends. Let's, let's have a big bird bash and and really kickstart the start of hunting season out there. Looking forward to that. So with that, um, where do we want to break this down, Carp? You just released, you know, a few days ago, but we've all been hunting, so this is our first chance to get together. <laughs> Pheasants Forever released the 2023 pheasant hunting forecast, and you guys do a good job. I'm on your website right now, pheasantsforever.org, and, and there's a on the homepage there's a link to – the pheasant forecast and then you can hover over the state yeah and then get a breakdown of what hunters can expect for each state yeah how do you want to start this We, we talked about this earlier before we hit the start button there's like a big eight or a big seven in in pheasant country and then there are pheasants that do exist in in other states as well but I think we're going to spend the majority of our time focusing on where the majority of the hunters travel to and hunt pheasants. Should we start right here in our home state, or where do you want to go, Carp?
2: I I think we start with a little a little overview. Okay. Um, and then we then absolutely go to each state, whatever order we want to take it. Um, How
0: much time do you spend putting this together? By the
2: way. Oh, there's 22 states. Yep. I don't write them all, um, but I have to find the writers and writers I trust. And Jared's always a big help there. He knows everybody. I I know most everybody, but he knows everybody. Yeah, he's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, he's a big deal, bigger, much bigger than me. But you know, getting these writers on board, and you know, making sure they're reporter types. I want them to dig. I want them to talk to not only our biologists, but not only state and not only state biologists, but other folks, folks in the field, and like I always write our Minnesota report, and I always I take what I call the tour, yeah. And you know, Minnesota, hotbed of pheasants forever. People everywhere committed to it. I have a little tour of. I mean, I could talk to five times as many people, but oh, sure. I talk to people in Pipestone and Worthington and Marshall and Wilmer, you name it, up in Fergus Falls. Um, but I that that's what I, I I try and get all these writers to to do that digging. Um, you know. And then, are, am I going to find my hotspot here? They, is, is it going to reveal Joe Blow, WMA? No. But it's going to give the, you, these reports are going to give you an idea of, yeah, maybe I do want to go to South Dakota this year. Man, that South, south or man, the, the North Central sounds good, whatever the case is. So we'll get into that state by state. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I, what I want to start with is sort of the formula of, you know, why are we all giddy after this sharp tail hunting that I am addicted to and the rough grouse that you guys are seeing? You know, first of all, if you'd have talked to if we would have been doing this podcast last February and March, oh. we would we would have been sort of like everything's Wah. gone. Would have been
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: would have been a real downer. <laughs> but
2: so what happened? These birds are tougher than we
0: think. They Jared's floating on his
1: chair right now. Yeah. That's all I say.
0: He's not even touching the ground. I'm just his... I'm just staring
1: at carp while he's talking. <laughs> so <laughs> you're captivating. Keep going. So
2: Keep going, what what stop. what happened was there's habitat out there, and and you know things you think about things like prairie grouse, sharptails, and chickens. They're native. They know how to survive a winter like that. They've mm-hmm. seen a winter like that. Mm-hmm. Pheasants. How can they do it? They. But with habitat, they can do it. And they're also just so much more tougher than we think. So did, did bird did we lose birds here and there? Absolutely. Did enough make it through to nest? Absolutely. So then what happened? Number two, ideal nesting conditions. Perfect. That's All that snow. Despite the fact that across the pheasant range, and this is part of it, despite the fact that it got real dry this year and in, in various stages, Minnesota's coming out of it now. Uh, but we were at getting into extreme drought, so, southern South Dakota Nebraska, parts of Iowa. Um, the farther west and north you went, the the wetter it was. But it was dry and warm in June, and not a lot of cold rain and not a lot of storms. The ha- uh, good hatches happened across the board. All the things we're talking about: rough grouse, sharp tails, yep. and oh, oh, big surprise: pheasants. So enough hens made it through. There's always a few roosters that made it through. Yes, and there was a good hatch almost everywhere. What do we shoot as uplanders? You know, 70, 80% of the bag is this year's hatch of birds. Mm -hmm. It's all about, you know, you gotta get birds through the winter, but then you have to
0: hatch birds. When a single hen can put 12 more on the ground, you can replenish your supply really quickly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And
2: and when a lot of hens can put a lot of birds on the ground, sure some are going to get gone, but if you get mm-hmm. uh, if you get five hens putting 60 birds out and half of them are, are half of them get creamed mm-hmm. by predators, there's still 30 out of five hens. Yeah. If you only put if only two hens put 12 out, that's 24, half of them get creamed, that's only 12 birds. For that, for that same number of hens. so we had a great hatch. What happened, number three? Good, uh, good. The summer was basically dry, yep. but not too dry. Habitat, you know, just enough to keep bug bug production. Exactly. Going. Sure. Yep. 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 And so good, good brood production, um, and that that's what that's that was the perfect swirl.
0: In our world, it's set up as good as it possibly could. And I will say, because I know that there are a lot of farmers and, and landowners that listen to this as well, that's not always the case for those farmers that might have had a, a poor growing season. I mean, there are parts of our yes. hunting area that we're going to talk about where farmers <coughs> did not get banner crops, you know. So yeah. thinking be thinking about more than just what we want, which is a bird. Yeah. You know, those landowners that give us permission, they might be stressed right now because their harvest is not quite what they wanted it to be. So that's something to, you know, there, just be aware of when we head into those areas this year. You know, there's a
1: really fine line um you know when you get into extreme extreme drought and they open up hay and grazing, the you know, C- CRP especially exists to help protect farmers and ranchers in cases like that. It's like the you could call it you know, Conservation Reserve Program, or you could call it the grass grassland reserve program. That's what it's there for. Because when other crops and things, um, when other crops and things uh, aren't viable, just because we don't have enough moisture or what have you, um, that that grass is a fallback for farmers and ranchers to be able to feed their cattle and keep them out of keep them out of sale lots. I mean, honestly, that's that same thing happened. You know, last year when we had a really really dry year. That's what that's what CRP did. And that's why those rules are that way. But um, yeah, people got to realize that that's it's all it's all part of the the overall plan of why those grasslands exist.
0: And I think for us to be healthy, hunters to be healthy and wildlife to be healthy, it, it's everyone working together. Yep, it really is. So I, I think I just brought that up. I have a lot of farmer friends. I'm from farm country myself. And I've been hearing, you know, they're literally on hands and knees praying for moisture in July and celebrating when. Six tenths fall, you know. I mean, because that's a big deal. So, yep, that's a reality as well. Think big picture when we head out there. Let's get back into the fact that yes, we did carp have amazing yep. nesting, and and the I think brood sizes were were like on uh, yep. any of those video games. It was Keep going up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I think as we, so that that's the basic story as we walk through each state. I think you'll see it fairly similar in each of these states because uh they they we're not that and that dif- they're not that different the core of the pheasant range these northern plain states so i think we let's take it away on on some of the states
1: can um, i can i preface it with with just two points yep first of all i want to let people know that i believe our forecast is the best in the country i mean we put a lot of time and effort into it a lot of people are brought in uh you know state agencies um you know, even federal agencies, some of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service staff that we know and love uh, work with them to get re- field reports, uh, our own staff. So this report, one, is not sugar right? We, we report the facts yep. uh, of what it's looking like in bird country, good or bad. And you can go back through the through reports from years past and, and look at that. Um, So that's that's one thing, and number two is I think we do a really good job of sort of threading the needle. There's some reports that come out before um, roadside counts are even done, Um, and there's you know in some cases there's becoming less and less roadside counts, which it gets a little bit harder to keep your keep your thumb on what's what's going on in the landscape. But um, the fact that we wait until those roadside counts are done trying to report the most accurate statistics and numbers and yeah. anecdotal information. And, so. in, in
0: the years past, I mean, we've done this forecast now for a couple of years. You guys have joined me, uh, one or both. And we've we've explained to people how the information is gathered. But can you just give a quick overview of how this typically works where people report their numbers?
2: Of uh, uh, How a state reports its numbers? Yeah, yep. well, a state, a region, as, a
0: county, you know, I mean.
2: As Jared said, every state does it a little different. Um, Minnesota and Iowa are sort of the gold standards of scientific data collection and gathering via roadside surveys. Other states to to lesser levels and some have abandoned doing them. So depending on that level of hard scientific data, it becomes more challenging to uh, gather meaningful information because then it becomes qualitative and not quantitative. But the right amount of qualitative data talking to people talking to people in different regions uh of a state can really make the difference and give people an idea um so that that's sort of between using all the raw quantitative data we can and using this qualitative data talking to people that's how they they come together, and you know we we leverage good writer reporters who have an interest in upland birds, a pa- you could say a passion like we do, and, yep. they, and dig.
0: Yeah. The flush.
2: So fast, it hardly seems real.
0: So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight
2: control flex-wad technology and a mix of copper-plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, Deadly shot strains through any choke. Longer shots,
0: more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. Now's a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested. Maybe it's time to try a new recipe, sprinkle on a new seasoning, or make your own jerky and sausage. Trust me, it's not that hard to do, and it can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called MeatGistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Waltons.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. A healthy dog is a happy dog and a dog's optimal health ultimately starts with an optimal diet. That's why I trust Nutrisource Performance Dog Food to keep Daisy healthy and running to her full potential. Nutrisource now has a full circle feeding plan that can help your dog achieve their full potential too. The full circle feeding plan revolves around their entire lineup of Nutrisource dog foods that contain their Good for Life system. The Nutrisource Good for Life system is packed with probiotics, prebiotics, and proprietary minerals that work together to support your dog's heart health and gut health. By combining this system and all of their dry foods and wet foods, you can rotate carbs and proteins like chicken, beef, fish, and lamb to meet and exceed your dog's needs and accelerate their natural desire to eat. Plus, their toppers like kombucha add even more health benefits for our dogs learn more about nutrisource dog foods and the benefits of their full circle feeding plans at nutrisource all right let's let's dig let's do here we go this? let's okay. go to <laughs> Minnesota.
1: You're the sound effects guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's the wheel. I just (laughs) spun the wheel.
0: Brandon's not here to give me any sound effects, so I just made my own.
2: They're not going to dub in something better than that. You're just going to go.
0: He might. But did it work? You guys see what I was doing there? Following me? I did. (laughs) Okay. Let's just start with our home state here. Okay.
2: Carp? Uh, Minnesota looks real good this year. I mean, I think based on two things. One, hard, raw, scientific data, the roadside counts, and you, we've got the map embedded in our report, but you can also go to the Minnesota DNR website um, and see how the roadside counts came out. There's different colors. Every, everybody who's ever hunted Minnesota knows, how, knows that this, this data is, is a good guide. Uh, the, so it's sort of funny. When I look at the map this year, there's a lot of dark brown, which is good, uh, they they have good, fair, poor, and sort of non-existent for pheasant counts, and there's different colors on the map representing different birds per birds per mile driven. Um, so there's a lot of dark color on that map this year, and that means, you know what that means? Just go hunting. Yeah, you know right. you're not going to be able to outsmart this map because I'll also say on the years where the bra- the, the dark brown is like a little blotch in one spot. Mm-hmm and everybody goes there then the problem is everybody goes there i <laughs> i usually stay away from the dark brown cuz that's where everybody goes but this yeah. year everybody's going to be pretty much hunting in that dark brown to the second level and you know we all know we're talking about pheasant hatch you know in in an area that's just fair you think oh up toward up on the northern edge of the pheasant range in minnesota yeah I don't know if I want to go there. That color isn't that good, but it's like, yeah, if if you're at a WMA and three three birds hatched, broods of twelve, and there's and there's there's twenty eight roosters out there, and nobody goes up there and hunt there, you can have a heck of a good hunt. Exactly. So, you know, I would, you know, I, I did a tour around the state, and it's you probably
0: hunt Minnesota more than anybody else that I know like, like <laughs> I, as far as just traveling around in different areas like, yeah i think jared would you agree or do you know anybody that hunts minnesota
1: um i know plenty of guys that are hardcore but um carp is extremely hardcore mm-hmm. uh for minnesota especially when you get into the latter parts of fall um you get into that especially in december um the guys out there just freezing his ass off chasing chasing roosters as much as he can. So he's got some, he's got some good stories from that. And I'm pretty sure he takes, he's had that coffee cup for most of the years. It's, it's, uh, Complete, completely stained around the uh, outside there. Hey, cheers, that's, buddy! Yeah, I've got there. coffee
0: stains too. <laughs> I've been I've, like Ron. Sure, comes in. He's like, you're gonna get sick off of that. I'm like, no. I think I'm gonna be stronger because of it.
1: That's uh, that's that's a hi- uh, high indicator of a guy that uh, does a lot of scouting. and He's sitting there with the binoculars, just drinking that coffee in the morning, seeing <laughs> seeing where those roosters Co- are
2: going. Coffee scouts me the roosters, and snooze gets me the roosters.
1: Yeah, so. There you go. <laughs> so there we go. Oh. So
2: I. You know where to go. I mean, I, two things. One, if you've ever thought of exploring a new place of Minnesota, do it this fall. Yep. Because um, there, there's going to be birds. I don't care what the color it is. You just got to go hunt. But if you've never hunted, and and I'm not gonna, I'm not hot spotting anywhere. I'm just saying, if you've never hunted west central, like Big Stone, Parl, Swift, mm-hmm. some of those counties, get out and try it. Yeah. If you've never went southwest down to Worthington, Pipestone, places like that, go down and try it. Right. If you, you know, a lot of Twin Cities hunters don't like to go, so they, they like to do a day hunt, you know, down toward you know, New Ulm and Brown County or Redwood Falls in that area. There's Sleepy Eye. You can get down there and get birds. Like, so anybody, if I've mentioned your spot or go out towards Wilmer. Yeah. I mean, I'm mentioning everywhere. I'm not telling you any secrets. So I think what
0: happens, you know, we have a huge audience here in the Twin Cities, the metro area, yep. probably the largest audience of any of our states, you know, maybe maybe South Dakota, maybe Sioux Falls, I don't know. But um, you you get on the road and you start seeing, like Onyx shows you this, a big WMA, and and you're like an hour outside the city, hour and a half, and you plan on walking Five or six hours that day. Well, if you just drive that extra hour or half hour or something, I don't know if it, it just like gets you a little bit.
2: You know what I always say is, one out and this is just talking about uh, us Minnesotan Twin Citians who, who are a big chunk of hunters hunting the Midwest. I mean, mm-hmm. look at number one, number one state for importing hunters. South in or, in North Dakota and South Dakota, the number one state. The influx of hunters is Minnesota. Blue so, platers. Blue platers. So, <laughs> blue plater. The blue plater. I love that. I always yeah. say, "What one hour? Yeah, you can find birds, but you also find some hunters, and you'll have yep. a, you'll have a nice walk. You might yep. you might see a few birds. Two hours, you're gonna see fewer hunters, and yeah, you're probably gonna have a little better luck hunting bird. If you're willing, and, and it's tough on a day trip, but yeah. I, I do it as Get we talk- Get up an hour earlier. Well, three hours.
0: You can sleep after hunting season. That's what You'd, I- Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah sleep exactly. when you're dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking,
0: looking at,
1: while we're talking about this and, and just kind of going back to what Carp said, like he's pointing out basically the entire pheasant range yeah. in Minnesota. If you go and look at the map, you know, especially close to the Twin Cities- Yes. You do not have to go that far. Uh, you know, you ju- you jump from some of the 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 poor areas where there's you know less than ten pheasants per square mile that they found on roadside reports. And here's but, why
0: I think that's poor is there's just less places exactly, to exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yes. There's, there's no yep. there's no grass.
1: Yeah. in, in huge quantities. Right. But Too many houses. You go. Yeah. You go within you in in forty five forty five minutes or less. You can be in fair country for the Minnesota report, which is 25, 25 to forty nine birds per square mile if you have a bird dog i guarantee you will have an okay pheasant hunt yeah, you want is like let's go you want to go a little bit farther than that you get into the good which is a large portion of western and southwestern minnesota that's more than 49 birds per square mile that mm-hmm. though that's a good population so i've
0: seen it with my own eyes i've yep. been out there guys yep. it is
1: anecdotal and anecdotally um the reports have just flooded in here especially in the last month uh there's pheasants just showing up, everywhere.
2: and if you so. want, if you want to read about some of those reports, go just go on. To, Travis talked about how you find it yeah, online. Yeah, on pheasants forever. Go, yep, it's click on, on Minnesota. Click on Minnesota, and there's I think eight field reports.
0: Yeah, from yeah, across it's, it's Minnesota. Great, and, it's a great breakdown and, from people that are trustworthy sources.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're people who yeah. uh, live in the midst of 17 WMAs in western Minnesota, or they live in. They live in uh, the northern part of the range. I mean, these are real hunters. Yep. These aren't just and you know we talk we talk to the biologists, but these are just field reports. What and you guys, Jared said it. These are actual what they've seen
0: on the ground. Do you think it's because of our jobs that people like all the conversations I have right now? Everyone knows that I a bird hunter and do these TV shows and. Not everybody, but the people that I know know what I do. So they instantly want to talk about the birds they're seeing, right? Yep. So it just naturally leads to that. But I, I can't have a conversation with anybody right now, I feel like, without talking about, oh, I saw all these <laughs> pheasants on the road. Oh, yep. yeah, I saw 12 cows walk through my yard. And blah, blah, blah. Like, I would are s- you getting that too?
1: Yeah, I would say I would say it's the same for all of us, you know. And anytime I'm out, It's our world. It's- I, yeah, anytime I'm on the road, it's our world. Anytime I'm on the phone, it it very, very quickly changes course to – Hey, uh, I was driving, you know, here and there, and boy, did I see pheasants all over the road. You know, yeah, it's like, that's, sense that's awesome. Every, every
0: email interaction is a picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I get to see Lark with birds, and I'm like, I love it. Photo evidence. Photo so, evidence, yeah. yeah. Mi- Photo uh, art didn't happen.
1: Minnesota's going <laughs> to be great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the surrounding states, which maybe that's a good segue. Maybe, yeah. maybe we jumped yeah. out. Yeah, I uh, think
0: what I was going to get at is, do you think other people are having these conversations, too? You mean, or is it just because we live in this bird world? I no, th- I are.
2: think it's because we live in this bird world. I mean, so the last thing I'll leave you before we leave Minnesota okay. is we paint, we've paint. we painted this picture, and there are birds out there, but just remember, they aren't going to walk out and raise their wing and say, <laughs> okay,
1: I'm going to fly now, yeah. shoot me. Raise the white flag. Right. It's, surrender. It's still
2: pheasant hunting. Yes. Here's the other thing I'll say is this. Um, a lot of these reports, there is a good spread of the hatch from early to late a lot of these folks and that now it's been a couple weeks since since i've talked to them they were seeing birds that were not even roosters that were like yeah Mm -hmm. that thing's starting to color color up Mm -hmm. so we talked about me in late season there's going to be roosters out there that aren't even going to be able to be shot until mid-november
0: sure yeah i was because you
2: can't you can't you can't see the color but they will
0: Three different hatches, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yep. I've seen it with my own eyes. Yep. Some birds that are like, whoa, there goes a big brood or bouquet of, of them. And then I'm like, holy cow, how can you even fly? You're so small. like <laughs> You poor little guy, you know. So, yes, there are all yep. three different hatches there. Um, something to think about, too, is we've gotten, in some areas of Minnesota, in the last 10 days, we've gotten five, six, seven inches of rain. A lot of it is just soaked in. So I think the farmers are going to still be able to harvest. But if it continues, my might delay harvesting yeah. a few days. Yeah, and
2: then, we, we talked about and, that in the report. Like At report time, everybody's like, yeah. Early we, harvest, early so, harvest. A lot of silage is gone. Yeah. We're, we're going to hit the corn before the beans. That might change mm-hmm, now. So mm-hmm. anyway, enough Minnesota. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's going to be good. And I'll, if you're a traveling hunter, <laughs> I also tell people this. You know, there's a lot of pheasants in a lot of public land in Minnesota. Don't overlook it.
0: Don't overlook it. I want to add this. This is a great year to bring somebody hunting. When the bird numbers are are good, bring somebody new with so they can experience it. It Don't don't wait for things to be perfect. Just go and just bring somebody with. I've got a few people that I'm excited to bring with.
1: Experience the magic, um, especially when we have a good year.
0: Numbers of birds mean... Typically, more hunters start coming with. But if we want this to be good for years to come, we need to introduce those people to yep. something so magical. Let's go. Where do you want to go next?
2: Let's go to South Dakota.
0: Great places. The pheasant fes- faces. The pheasant South cap. Dakota. I, I the had pheasant. I was waiting for that. You 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 took my lead. I like it.
2: <laughs> the pheasant capital and the home of 2024 National Pheasant Fest and Sioux Quail Falls. Classic. Yeah, Sioux Falls.
0: Yep. Definitely. All right. Where do we begin?
2: I think, you know, the the basic story in South Dakota is rinse and repeat, you know. Yeah. He, he, the far, farther north you go, the worse the winter was. The worse the winter was, um, but they had a brutal winter as well. Um, it didn't compare with North Dakota's, which we'll get to. Um, but very good hatching conditions, same thing. Um, we can get into some of the regions. Uh, in South Dakota, Andrew Johnson, he's our, people might not know what a stringer is. A stringer is a freelancer a reporter that doesn't, isn't on the payroll, but he's there like almost. Andrew Johnson is our South Dakota guy. He's a great freelancer, a great writer. I'm just writer.
0: picturing him out there in the middle of a CRP field, just calling in right now. Yeah, I got pheasants. Whoa, duck, pheasants ha- just flew over my head. Hardcore hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, um, he's yeah. real deal, lab, a lab guy,
2: a public land hunter uh and he he does a great job, so I you know we can walk through some of the regions here and what what the what what his reporting was um but I think it's going to be a great year in South Dakota i mean the same story as Minnesota, and you can maybe even magnify it depending on the place in south Dakota and the in the habitat um The hatch was good, a lot of different age classes are still being seen uh or were being seen and I just think once again, you probably can't pick a wrong region in sure. South Dakota, but there are some that are maybe a little gonna be better than others and, and we can talk about that. Let's a little do it bit.
0: right now. Yeah, let's which are those reasons regions. Th- I
2: think, you know, East had a lot of dry. Um, and I think the farther east you go, the little more challenging it might be in South Dakota. Really. Um, uh, that's sort of that's sort of the gist I was getting from some of the reporting we got, but I think as usual up in that Aberdeen area, it's going to be good there. You know, it's there's it was a little wetter to the north and west, um, and I think that. South Central winter area, sort of that classic golden, golden area down there is going to be good, too. But once again, that doesn't mean there's not birds anywhere else. In South Dakota, it's all relative, right? It's all
0: the capital, right? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> claims to be the pheasant capital of the world. But what is the pheasant capital of South Dakota?
2: What would you say,
1: Jared? You,
0: um, Huron? Here I, on claims I, it yeah aberdeen i mean I think it.
1: there's there's a number of different places that claim it I, I i myself i i spend a lot of my time in the in the aberdeen area and i don't you know i don't think that's that's not really hot spotting at all i mean Aber, aberdeen has the most public land uh per mile or per capita or whatever uh in the entire state uh anything from walk lands to the conservation reserve enhancement program that Jim River crep um and it's also got the Aberdeen Pheasant, Pheasant Co- Coalition, Coalition yep. which this new path program which you were talking about earlier at Remedy Brewing next week that you guys are going to talk about public access to habitat is sort of a spin off of um, they took the, the Aberdeen pheasant coalition and basically went statewide with it. So it's a 20, 25, dollars incentive now on top of CRP and other incentives that can really give people a good payment in exchange for quality habitat and access. But that Aberdeen pheasant coalition has put on, I think over 4,000 acres now since they started. Um, and are just, just premium nesting cover and that's, that's the name of the game. Um, they did have a hard winter up there, but, uh, you know, spring, spring broke um, uh, it was nice and dry there for a little bit and that's, that's all the birds needed. So, you know, sort of around that area, as you go further west, you, you can go on and read it, read our report at pheasantsforever.org, uh, at the top, just, you know, click on the, click on the pheasant hunting forecast, but we've got, you know, some of our staff are saying a lot of the broods that they've been seeing are 10 to 14 birds strong. And that's, that's when, you know, he had a phenomenal, phenomenal success rate for hatch. Um, so, uh, that's been good, but as carp alluded to, Uh, I I was just in Sioux Falls the other day, um, we're talking about uh a concert for conservation that we just announced yes, so trampled yes. by turtles that's going to be Did You uh, your tickets yet? Uh I have well they go they on they, they go, go on sale, sale on,
0: tomorrow. No,
1: they go on sale in 30 minutes for pheasants forever members so I got the secret link too. <laughs> you better <laughs> but, um, you better get I me one. I want the backstage yes, passes. I'll pay it yeah, back. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I know Bob's going backstage. I'm going to Oh yeah. Talking talking with our staff there though that that eastern edge especially the southeast they're the ones that have been sort of stuck in that that drought phase. Yeah, um, yeah. so there's been a lot of haying and grazing. Um, there's not as much public lands in that specific section, but with the big Sioux CREP now, uh, and, uh, our PATH program and other things, um, we're, we aiming to change that. So
2: big Sioux CREP, which Jared mentioned is we have, we have the Aberdeen area CREP where when you put your lands in CRP, they're automatically public access, and now they're doing, they're working on grasslands in southeastern Minnesota along the Big Sioux River. And our biologist there is, is
1: Nate
2: Goring, I think is
1: biologist. Uh, uh, Gearing,
2: Nate Gearing is our biologist there, is doing a great job in rolling lands. So you're gonna see that map, you're gonna see the colors on the map start to increase in that portion of, of South Dakota. But Jared's right, that eastern eastern is dry, like western Minnesota was dry. Um so I think th- the other thing we can talk about briefly I'd like Jared to describe a little bit you guys alluded to it is the path agreement in South Dakota that that is going to help us get more public land, public access in South Dakota. Maybe
0: just touch on it. Cause we're going to be really hammering that next week when we do the live show, not hammering it, but we're going to yep. dig into what that means for hunters.
1: So path public acts to ha- public access to habitat, uh, is basically a, it's sort of a community-based habitat program. How can we help landowners and wildlife and communities and hunters all at the same time? So based, based on that Aberdeen pheasant coalition, we just talked about a little bit ago, but basically, um, onyx onyx came in uh one of our best and brightest partners that we have i mean they're just they're incredible um just a company that helps helps you know where you stand uh when you're when you're out in the field but also contributes to where you want to stand out in the field by putting up money for public access so they uh between them south dakota tourism um and pheasants forever came together but basically onyx and south dakota tourism put up two hundred fifty thousand dollars $25 $25 per acre incentive on top of other bonuses that are out there right now, uh, CRP, walk-in access, sign-up incentive, um, but uh, can give you a really nice payment for a minimum of 10 years uh, of new habitat, uh, all connected to access. So it could be anything from CRP enrollments to uh, field, field borders. Uh, it just has to be quality habitat that uh, cannot, cannot be grazed. Um, that's a, that's an important point too, is that we want habitat that's, that's going to be, um, it's not necessarily permanent, um, but it's perennial habitat. That's not going to be touched. It's going to be there when wildlife need it the most.
0: Yeah. Let's hope this program expands out of South Dakota too. I, I see that it really, that's that's the game plan. That's the game plan. Yeah. It's exciting. All right. (laughs) Okay. Let's head to North Dakota and get legendary. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's been... since you spent the last month there, Carp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
2: I spent, but I spent that month where it's very unlikely I would see a pheasant, but I did see a few. I
0: did as well. When we were having uh, sharpies. You can't quite get out of pheasant habitat all the time.
2: No, but uh, I think North Dakota, I, I know the winter there was brutal, and I know they lost birds because I, I have a lot of friends around the state, and... They they found them in the spring, but the story is the same that they had a hatch, uh, the, like just like the sharp tails hatched well, like the huns hatched well, the pheasants had it the same way where they have obake oh, surprise habitat. Um, so I think North Dakota is going to be a better season than we've seen in North Dakota for a couple years. Yeah, their
0: numbers are up statewide, yep, sixty-one
2: sig- percent, state Yeah,
1: Un- unexpectedly, when you go and read our report, the number that jumps out to me is that uh, the winter of 2022 20, 2023 that we just got over with up there this this past winter um, dropped more than 100 plus inches of snow across most of the right. state. So the fact
0: top 5 on record, right? The fact that pheasants
1: can rebound from something like that just speaks to the bird. Like we've been talking about this whole time. I mean, if and going back we said, you know, if we were sitting here in February, talking about like what the, what the winter forecast looks like and and how that's going to shape up, I would have told you there was absolutely no way that pheasants are going to be able to recover and see pretty good populations going into this fall. But, um, quality habitat and, uh, having a little belief in our, our, our favorite, uh, upland bird, um, And, you know, thank God for mother nature here in the spring, some warm weather, um, put it, put it in the right direction. So
2: pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, Jared used the word that matters in all this and that's habitat. You know, obviously there was enough winter habitat to get birds through. They don't just survive on a snowbank, but habitat in the spring, specifically nesting habitat, grasslands is what makes birds. That's 70, 80, probably In some cases, 90% of the upland birds we shoot every year are birds that hatch that year, and that's what makes the difference. A few hens can make a lot of broods with a lot of birds, and you don't get those without habitat. Um, I I think that classic southwestern North Dakota is probably going to be... The Headinger Yeah, Yeah, that whole Mott, Headinger, that whole southwest. Why is that? One, they got a little more moisture out there, uh, for habitat, and two, they were a little warmer and drier mm-hmm. for nesting. Uh, the same way huns and sharptails are good out in, north, out in western North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Oh, big surprise, pheasants had a good hatch too. Yeah. And it's just the classic uh, North Dakota pheasant country. I mean, there's a lot of pheasants elsewhere too. You get over Bismarck and that South Central, um, and you, can, you get some of those good spreads of public land uh, with ideal habitat. Um, and there's some James River areas in North Dakota, too, that are sure. good. Just like James River comes into South Dakota, it is goes into Aberdeen. It's like it's, it's not magical. You don't just hop the border and like, oh, there are no pheasants in North Dakota. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, five, five miles south of the border in South Dakota and five miles north in North Dakota. They're pretty similar, and there's birds A lot there. of people
0: from the Twin Cities leave and they get just across the border and they're like, all right, we're here. All right, let's hope, you know, just maybe try going a little bit further. All right, yeah, we are. We do, holy cow, we've been talking for 50 minutes already. Okay, (laughs) North Dakota, we've hammered it the last couple weeks on the show, is a very birdie this year. They're ready to go. (laughs) They're ready to go. Uh, Montana.
2: I'm probably not the best Montana uh, predictor, but the report is good. And I think, once again, Everything we hear from the uplanders that are out there hunting prairie grouse is that, oh, wow, it's gonna be a good pheasant season. Not Cause not only are they seeing pheasants where there's that fringe country where you might see pheasants, but the hatches were just so good. Um, but Montana's a big state, so you gotta read our report, and look at the different regions. Yep. It's not the same all over. Uh, I think that Eastern Montana is going to be the tops. Again, you get up in that Northeast corner, which is sort of a golden triangle, um, it's going to be good, but you got to read, read our report. Jack, Jack Hudson does our report there and he's, he's sort of a bulldog for talking to people out there. Um, so it's, it's a good resource.
0: Does he hit on any storms, any hail or anything that took any birds out, um, and we we that,
2: didn't get a lot of that type reporting this year.
0: Yeah, I don't remember reading any of it from really any of the states that had tremendous loss. And I, th-
2: I think it reflects sort of the more dry, the drier yeah. summer we had. We just didn't have storms.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is um, sort of the, the, the common theme with all this. And if you talk to anybody that like we've had staff members that went out west fly fishing this year. And, um, you know, the, the number thing, number one thing they report is they'll send me a picture, you know, on the road or a video. They're like, I just can't believe how green it is out here. And it's yeah. almost the entire West. I mean, everybody's just reporting. It is the yeah. greenest it has been in a long time. So, you know, anytime we get that excessive snowfall, like, uh, so when I went to Wyoming earlier this year, they talked about uh loss of, of uh pronghorn antelope, uh, and mule deer in some areas where they had really bad. So, it, it can impact wildlife. It can certainly impact yep. upland birds, but that that moisture is life giving uh, to certain areas, and Montana Montana's is no exception to that. So uh, on social, just last night I was up 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 pretty late taking taking care of things on the home front, and um, was looking at uh, looking at some social before I was going to bed last night. And uh, I can't remember his name, but somebody was out uh, in Montana hunting sharp tailed grouse, and he had just this wonderful picture, sun was setting and there's a whole bunch of roosters off just off the road uh and hens, you know, sitting on a sitting on a rancher's gate. Uh, you know, it just it's it, it, picturesque pheasant country. It is. It just it speaks yeah. to that. And there were some coolies and stuff in the background. So long story short, I think Carp's absolutely right from Montana. Like you, you might have to do a little bit of shuffling around. But mm-hmm. um I hunted out there last fall uh in December actually and I've, I've never seen more sharp-tailed grouse uh, and pheasants uh, in my life. It so was, this is it was why great.
0: I bump fe- uh, South Dakota a little bit further down my list of destinations to go pheasant hunting. I put North Dakota and Montana really high up on the list because of the, two, the, the views, or I should say one, the views of where you're walking with your dog and the, the coolies and the, the bluffs and, and just beauty that's out there. And two just the variety of bird species that you're gonna flush yep. outside yep. of the pheasants as well. Yep. And that's just something so appealing to me that I I I picture what you just said, Jim, yep. and I'm like, Oh, I want to be there right now so badly. And yep. it's that's that western North Dakota. That you,
2: you guys are such romantics. Give me a cattail slough frozen over with two inches of <laughs> snow. You <laughs> love
0: those hell holes. yeah, a real hell hole that you can go walk walk through, tromp through.
1: You nature boys have fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot oh. I'm gonna shoot roosters Jared in a western hold Minnesota hands and little Yeah,
0: out there on the hill. Yeah, yeah.
1: And don't and, go too early because when you fall when you fall through one of those ponds, I got to bring you a fresh pair of pants to stick yeah. on because <laughs> they're Casey, frozen.
0: La- remember Tom when you and I were hunting? Oh yeah, and the ice wasn't thick enough for Casey, and he dropped down as <laughs> uh <laughs> armpits
2: <laughs> yeah he had to head back to town and change change dungarees we
0: were in we were in absolute cattail like as far as you can see out there
2: Tra- travis came out he had a little he had a little beard as we do on a hunting trip we get a little beard he looked like santa claus
0: <laughs> all the cattails
2: oh my god you love that don't you i do yeah people say i some i I've written it before. So, some folks say he even likes cattails about me.
1: <laughs> Almost looked like he did the, the. You ever seen that cattail corn dog challenge? Yeah. You bite into one of those and it just. That is his most. Just basically chokes you.
2: <laughs> somebody, somebody once asked me, you know, about a bell on my dog and does it scare birds and this and that. And I said, I described it and I, I said, well, wh- why do you have a bell? why don't you just have a beeper and it's all personal preference it's like I don't like that sound I don't like the electron I don't need electronic sounds I need a bell on her and I can tell her she is well she's in the cattails and he says he says well how do you find her and I said well her bell goes silent he said but that doesn't make sense I said yeah it does I said I get two hunts after she points one I got to find her and then two I have to find the bird and they looked at me like Oh, I guess I can see that. So
0: I get I get T- do- the twofer. I, <laughs> get, I get the twofer. If you're looking for an awesome bird hunting adventure, then now is a great time to head to the state of North Dakota. Why? Well, this year, the state of North Dakota has reported that pheasant counts are up 61% from last year. The sharp-tailed grouse numbers are up 116%. And get this, the Hungarian partridge numbers have tied an all-time high that comes in at above last year. I've already hunted in North Dakota this season, and I've seen these bird numbers for myself. Water levels are also up, which means the total number of wetlands are up. 76% above the long-term average. The state's breeding duck index was the 23rd highest on record this year. 39% above the long-term average at 3.4 million. All of these numbers mean that there are more ducks, more geese, pheasants, sharpies, and Hungarian partridge on the landscape. In North Dakota, you can experience an epic waterfowl hunter in the peak of the fall migration and have the best upland hunt of your life all in the same day. I know this because I've done it myself. Start planning your world-class hunt in North Dakota at hellond.com. If you're an active outdoorsman or woman on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you need to haul. Well, our friends at Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa, right here in the good old USA. They have models for all of your hauling needs, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow gear like a dream their trailers are constructed out of lightweight strong corrosion resistant aluminum and they are 100 percent maintenance free plus they come with an industry best five-year warranty visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you are using your own Maps, Apps, Waze, or Google Maps, except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public, the landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones, too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand, and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. There's something so therapeutic about listening to the bell in the woods. Oh yeah, putting that bell on Daisy yeah, again. Do you put one on Daisy? Yet? Oh yeah, in the woods. I don't yeah. do it in the field. Yeah, I don't. I do you put a bell on in the woods? Uh, I
1: normally do. I, I, d- I didn't this love last week. The but sound but of the. Yeah. And you know and what? Nothing. And
0: it goes quiet. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's get over there. All jacked up oh, to walk in on it. That's that's
2: good to say it. It goes quiet and so <laughs> anyway, nature right. nature boys. Let's let's move
0: on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, have we been to Iowa yet? We have not. Jared, <laughs> let's let Jared take this one away.
2: Yeah, he's an Iowa freak. I'll just say don't go to Iowa. There aren't any birds There's there. no birds
0: in Iowa. <laughs> well, oh my God. I,
1: I, I think Travis has pretty vivid recollection of when we hunted there uh, with the flush last year. Uh, Rich oh Berkland, Josh Diven, mm-hmm. uh, Plymouth County chapter. We sort of went across the in, entire northern northern edge of the state. And there was a lot of birds. Um, it was like pheasant porn on
0: that TV show. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. If,
1: I... if you haven't watched it yet, watch the 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 dream the dream hunt that we sold on a, a pheasants forever auction to help help our wildlife habitat conservation efforts. And we just had some great folks come up. But um, there Those was guys a... were so fun. Yeah, they were.
0: They were so fun. I mean, I yes, I loved everything about that hunt from our girl and steaks and and talking trash at camp to all the birds yes was, it was just like when you draw up a pheasant hunt with with buddies like that was it but i, I think that hunt and may, maybe
1: not every hunt on public land or private land wherever you are in the state but it was sort of indicative of what the population was last year there was a ton of hens they were all in really good really good condition um it, you know except for basically the northern third of the state, which did have some tough winter weather in some portions, especially that northwest corner. Um, you know, the the pheasants had a pretty good year. So I think they rebounded. I think it was 15% um, on roadside counts. Um, and there are a couple highlights in there. The north northwest and west central, uh, lots of habitat there, lots of uh, walk-in, uh, their walk-in program, I have, Iowa Habitat and Access Program. Lots of opportunity uh, there this year. Um, One thing that I like to see was the, the North, the Northeast um, has been down for a long time. So where I went to school at Luther college up in sort of that Decorah area, the Northeast is about, there's nine or 10 counties up there that are included in that roadside count. Um, And they had the, they had the highest, highest counts uh, in that sector in the last 24 years. So even when I was my own bird dog in college shooting pheasants there, Um, it wasn't, uh, wasn't as high as it is now. So that region really bounced back. You know, if you're, uh, looking, looking for something and, and, you know, don't want to go all the way to Northwest Iowa, the the central regions, North, central, Northeast, and even, um, even East Central. I think that the whole, the whole state is going to be pretty good this year. And I'm hearing pretty stellar reports from people.
0: Can I ask real quick, we'll move on to a different state, but how are the quail numbers looking in Iowa this year?
1: You know, quail unexpectedly, actually down in their report why uh they're they're not entirely sure because there wasn't there wasn't a ton of bad winter weather maybe carp has some insights into it but um especially that that southwest uh corner they were thinking there was going to be an absolute boom and anecdotal reports early on from what i gathered from talking to todd bogenschutz or upland biologists and some of our other staff out there was like yeah, this is going to be this is going to be the year of the year of the quail again just like it was. I think it was at 2018 they had the highest something like that. Highest yeah. counts in 30 years. Yeah. Um so anecdotally um they were seeing a lot of broods but the roadside count didn't report the same. So I think there's still going to be opportunities there especially on that uh western side to do a mixed bag hunt uh for pheasants and quail. Um I was holding its own we need more crp we need more grassland acres um and we need to continue doing um you know our permanent habitat protection acquisition projects and uh i think there's going to be good good things if you just follow the dog there this year
0: mm-hmm. i would add one thing to iowa that if somebody hasn't hunted it what stands out to me every time i go there is how fertile that soil is down there so the habitat yeah. that gets put into crp it is the thickest tallest i mean i'm not very tall obviously but it's that blue stem is unbelievable in Iowa. Yep. You get to southwest corner of Minnesota, like Scott Rawls Blue Stem Properties down there. Oh my goodness, Iowa looks like that everywhere. You swear that they could not grow thicker, lusher. And CRP. Uh, they have a really good roadside
1: program too. The roadsides there, when you're driving along, you're just like, man, I, I'd really like to hunt that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> know everything We're, looks
0: so picturesque. Yeah.
1: You, you talk about the soil there. I I
2: leave Iowa. I leave our Iowa topic with this: is that their birds are just big. I've never, I mean, you, to me, and I've shot a lot of pheasants in a lot of places. You
0: need a bigger vest when you go. To you Iowa. need
2: a bigger vest. You need <laughs> you need to do a few more whatever back exercises. But you mean I'm I'm not Maybe kidding. Maybe
0: give Lark a vest. Yeah, and just let carry, carry your own one. birds. Yeah. But they,
2: uh, I just think of a a rooster from let, let's say western South Dakota. That's, the soil, you talked about the soil. The soil is different. The habitat right. is different. The food is different. They just, roosters seem 20, 25% bigger in Iowa. And I think they are. I, I guess I we should, should, I've got to get some scientific data here. We should tell,
0: tell our back bosses. That up. Hey guys, we should tell our bosses. <laughs> this is our, we yeah. have a scientific study we need to do. We are going to hunt every state in pheasant country and find out where the biggest pheasants live. This will be valuable information. We're going to need to take 15 days off. Starting in the first of November.
2: We'll start in not PTO either. Okay.
0: No. No, we, this is on the clock. We yeah.
2: start in South Dakota. We head west from western edge of Pheasant Range, South Dakota, in, through the east into Minnesota, mm-hmm. down the western edge through the southwest of Minnesota, and then to, and into northwest. And then west, and then central, and down the east side, of Iowa.
0: Well, I want to go to Montana and North Dakota too, though.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I think it has to be a. Two <laughs> That's okay. We can go be, there. Yeah, we'll it start in a, Montana. Well, those are that. Then it has to be a two-year data collection. Oh, trip, I see. Two fifteen yeah, days spread trails. it out. All okay. right,
0: you you heard it here first. All right, <laughs> this is be valuable information. Kansas.
2: Um, you know Nebraska. and Oh, Kansas. I skipped Nebraska. No, that's okay. I'm just start, I'm just mentioning those two because they're they're largely in a similar boat, I think, in that they are they didn't escape as much uh, drought as we did, and the drought was hard impacted them harder the last couple years, and I think that's that has really affected habitat and production down there uh, in uh, in in Kansas. We'll start with Kansas. Um, so are there birds there? Yeah. Are there? Now we talked a little about quail. You know, Kansas might be a little different story about good for quail. Um, and I think it's going to be. But pheasants, I think, are going to be a little challenging in Kansas this year. There's, there's going to be birds, but it's, it's not going to be the type of lights out hunting that we're hoping to have in these northern parts of pheasant range.
0: Do we have a comparable season to what Kansas is in right now for pheasants? Can you look back it, and say, hey, 10 years ago it was like this, and that's where we're at now? In Kansas? Yeah, I mean, is Yeah Yeah, there...
2: I, I don't, to be okay. honest, but uh, I think in the modern, you know, last 10 years, it's going to be as tough as it's ever been in the last 10 years. Now, I've been there three, four years ago, and, and there, there's birds there, don't get me wrong. Sure. Here's the one thing I'll say is, western kansas uh had more rain you talked about the green uh on the landscape in the west well western kansas is the west and it it was greener there and i i guess that's what i'm saying is if i go into kansas and in, oh i probably will in january yeah i'm gonna go west as far west as i can all right
1: and what, I was to say one of the one of the things in that report too that it was written by Casey Casey Sill who joined us last year when we yeah. did the did the pheasant report and um, one of the things that he kind of right up front and center in in the report for Kansas is that in 2022 it was so dry down there that nearly the entire state was released for CRP um, for for haying for haying grazing so. Um, there was a lot there was a lot of habitat that came off last year uh, at the wrong times, uh, and the rains didn't necessarily return early enough this year to get it in prime nesting uh, nesting conditions for for pheasants Now quail could be a different story because they nest a little later. we had a lot of rain, um, and quail are actually looking looking pretty decent in Kansas this year but uh, pheasants are pheasants are still recovering as carp has as pointed out but there are going to be there are going to be some highlights and that's that's a lot of you know hunt for an hour or two I'm not finding it not finding too many birds in this particular region or this particular area Uh, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to move 30-45 minutes you can look at weather maps and that type of thing and maybe maybe help guide you to where there might be better populations good tip
0: Yep, let's go to Nebraska. We're going to wrap it up at Nebraska. And then I think, well, let's just go to Nebraska quick.
2: I love Nebraska, but I think they're, they've had similar, it's sort of rinse and repeat with Kansas as far as uh, habitat goes, which is driven by, by rains. Very droughty in Nebraska, especially that eastern Nebraska. So once again, I'd, I'd head south and west um, in Nebraska. If I were to go there this year, and I don't know that I will, but i'd that's that's where I'd go because more grass mm-hmm. uh, you, you know you talk about some emergency mowing mowing for hay um, there's just going to be less impact to the grass the farther west you go because there's more grass out there um once again it's it's a similar story to Kansas, just tough tougher conditions with the drought now. That helps hatch birds, but remember, they've also had two or three years of drought to Mm -hmm. impact the habitat that's already there. And they don't get as much snow down there like North Dakota and South Dakota had to to add moisture.
1: Nebraska, um you know the real shining star i think of nebraska as a whole throughout the country that they've got one of the best walk in access programs in the country and yet. the wheat stubble program yeah, yep open the open fields and waters and then you've yeah you've got your wheat stubble uh, sort of access that come it comes out a little bit later in the fall but i like i like using uh, the enrollments uh, for open fields and waters and then 300
0: and Forty-six thousand acres. It's a lot of acres in that program.
1: Yep, it's a lot of acres. There's some, uh, there's some particularly big chunks, uh, especially especially as you get more down towards the southwest. But, uh, you know, when you couple that with uh, the the stubble map uh, to see where there's food on the landscape next to, next to quality cover, um, that's a winning recipe for for finding pheasants and quail. Mm-hmm. Um, quail uh, forecast is going to come out here shortly, um, and quail uh quail is actually looking okay in nebraska this year especially uh especially in the south southeast regions um their their quail populations are actually looking pretty good so um, there's opportunities for a mixed bag hunt in nebraska uh they've got a pretty long season um and uh there's a lot of areas to go to not not just access programs but there's plenty of um reservoirs and other things that have got quality habitat where you can go and have a fun hunt so
0: and i've been messaging back and forth with andy edwards here even this morning about setting up our quail forecast as well to kind of break down places that we'll we'll dig into the quail numbers around the country as well and and reasons for optimism and places that might be on your list you know Um, and this in our area january 1st is the last day of season in minnesota north dakota obviously south dakota extended theirs by another month love it
1: i've been doing that every every year since they've done it and it's awesome there's not there's not that many hunters and the birds when you find them they are just piled together
0: so when does minnesota extend their season that's a good
2: question i don't don't know know if it's being talked about or on the books i yeah i i love that late season hunting too but i tell you what I still remember two two years ago in January, I went I went down to Kansas, and we had you know it was classic Minnesota January. There were two feet of snow on the ground. It was eight below zero, and I drove ten hours and I hunted in a sweater, mm-hmm. not on snow.
0: Yep, I did that last year. And, in January, we drove out of the snow here, and I was hunting in a t-shirt in January, and we, yep. were, we were hunting quail. So
2: don't, yep. don't so despite the challenge of these these Kansas and Nebraska forecasts, don't. Don't overlook the, mm-hmm. the idea that, wow, I can be walking on not snow and ice. It was so nice. And hunting in a sweater. It was
0: so nice not being, and you're being heading,
2: high. And you're heading west to do it, which is where they are going to be more and, there's
1: anyway. and Like Carp said, I mean, there's birds to be found in all these states. Yeah. Some are not, you know, they're not all created equal. Um, but by and large, I think, for the pheasant forecast this year, I think folks are going to be pretty happy with what they find on the landscape, uh, based on based on our reporting and just anecdotally what we're hearing from farmers, ranchers, our staff, and partners. It's pretty phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and I'll just leave it at this. There's in your guide here on your website. There's you know like we just talked about the open fields and waters program in Nebraska. There are links to where these properties exist. You can click on them directly on this pheasant forecast that you guys have put together. It's mm-hmm. very detailed. Carp, well done. Well done. Again, another year, and you're just given a lot of useful information. I encourage people to check it out. There are several states that we did not touch, so if you want to know more about, let's say, Colorado or Utah or California or Texas or Missouri or something like that, you can click on these states and get the, the breakdown of all of that information on there. I know you have to go. We need to get back out into the field. I that's right. That's what we're doing right now, we're not. Oh God, <laughs> uh, yet. But soon we'll be back out there hunting. Thanks for coming in today, guys. Good to see you during hunting season. It's you rare well. uh, that we all get to be in the same room at the same time during hunting season, but I enjoy it when it happens. So thank you, and to everybody listening. Next week, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Thursday night. We'll see you at the Remedy Brewing Company. If you come, you'll get free beer, and you'll probably take home some really. Big giveaways. Items to give away. Hunting season is here, boys. (laughs) Let's (laughs) go.